Message from Starfleet Command, top priority. You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 165, featuring the top five portals portaling. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I'm Jim Morehouse. I'm the host of the Trek Rage Podcast. And tonight, we are visiting some of our favorite portals to take some routine portal readings. And we're going to make sure the portal areas are free of any portal problems. Yes, it's the top five portals portaling here on Trek Ranks. And yeah, this is this one's going to be fun. We uh, For this great topic, we have two big portaling portal fans. First up, he is returning for his 14th overall appearance on Trek Ranks. One of our favorites, hailing from us. From the UK sector, it's the Carlos Miranda class. Welcome back, Carlos. Uh, thank you very much for having me back, Jim. It's a pleasure as always. I am happy to have you here. And our second guest making his second Trek Ranks appearance. He was with us back on, that wasn't too long ago, episode 148. That was a great topic, too. Top five non-corporeal aliens coming to us from the New York quadrant. It's Paul Edinger. Welcome back, Paul. Thank you, Jim. Glad to be here as always. Yes, I am excited about this topic. So let's get rolling with our Trek Ranks recalibration. You can recalibrate the regulators now. Will do. Okay, the Trek Ranks charter has two clauses. We rank Trek so we can have some fun conversations about Star Trek. And two, the ranks don't matter. We just use them as a framework to have a deep dive conversation about all the things we love about Star Trek. Because our show is all about... Infinite diversity in infinite combination. Words that are a mere shadow of its true meaning. And their true meaning on Trek ranks means no wrong answers. This show is about sharing the things we love about Star Trek. And we love it all from TOS to TNG, straight to the Enterprise, the Kelvin Timeline, now Discovery, Picard, Strange New World, Short Treks, Star Trek Lower Decks, and Prodigy as well. It's all fair game here on the Trek Ranks Podcast. Black Alert. Black Alert. And a reminder that this episode of Trek Ranks is current through the conclusion of Star Trek Strange New World's amazing second season and the episode Hegemony. That's 893 episodes of Star Trek across the past 57 years. And one final reminder, we use episodes as a shorthand term, but the 13 films are always in play as well. Hailing frequencies open. Thank you, Mr. Worf. You can hail me directly on Twitter at TrekRanks or at Enterprise Extra, and you can see our extensive rankings of all the Treks at TrekRanks.com. And don't forget, call and leave us... A uh, message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP. That's 609-512-5527. Okay, let's wrap it up, Carlos and Paul. Let everyone know how they can get a hold of you on subspace. Carlos. Uh, well, I'm pretty active on Twitter or whatever it's called now. Uh, X. <laughs> and uh, my handle is at Double Mac because as uh, listeners know, in addition to being obsessed with Star Trek, like Janeway, I also have a little bit of a of an obsession with coffee. Keep Twitter going. All right, Paul, how about you? I can also be reached on Twitter. I also refuse to call it X uh, at CT Trekkie. And that's pretty much the only way to reach me. And you'll get lots of Star Trek puns there. We love it. Okay, let's run a quick diagnostic cycle to get into today's show. Computer, run a level two diagnostic. So really quick, before we get into this topic, just a note that we we picked this one to coincide with the launch of the debut of Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4. That's something we like to try and do, make our 
whenever a season's starting, kind of align a topic with it. So after watching Boimler and Mariner get knee-deep into some portal antics on those old scientists with portal trying to portal Boimler and all this fun stuff, I figured this would be the perfect topic to align with the start of the new season of Lower Decks. One of my all-time favorite portals. We're taking routine portal readings and making sure the portal area is free of any portal problems. Stop! How are you so excited for some random portal nobody's ever heard of? As for portals portaling, well, I think there's a million ways we can break that down, so let's find out how everyone did that now in our Prime Directives. Do they know about Prime Directive? They know everything I know, sir. And you're about to know everything we know about our Prime Directive. So, Carlos, let's start with you. How did you define your Prime Directive and your portals to finalize your picks? Well, when you first asked me to be on the show and you told me the, the topic, obviously, I immediately, like, my mind went to some of, like, the more obvious portals. Right. Um, and especially with uh, those old scientists, at the episode just airing recently. But so I want to take a slightly different spin. So I looked up the like the like the actual dictionary definition of portal, uh, and I went with that because I thought I immediately I didn't want to include any of the immediate portals portaling that came to my mind. So I thought, let me take a little bit of a spin on it. So I went to the dictionary definition of what a portal actually is. Uh, and 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 it's the Webster's dictionary says that it's a door, an entrance, a gateway. Um, and so I use that to inform my picks. And I also okay. tasked myself with, with I wanted to only do Voyager and Deep Space Nine. Why? Just because. <laughs> oh Just because. Just because you're a 90s Star Trek. All the way. All the way. <laughs> okay. Paul, I love that. That's going to be great. Let's see. Uh, we, we haven't done top scenes in a doorway. So uh, th- this might substitute for that. So we'll see. Paul, how did you break it down? So funny enough, I had pretty much the same initial thought as Carlos. Probably the same things popped into my mind immediately when I heard the word portal. Uh, But to kind of expand my list, and so I didn't pick all of the more obvious choices, I decided to go with a definition of portal that's very similar to what uh, Carlos found in the dictionary, which was I just defined it as anything that moves people or ships from one spot to another while remaining itself in the same spot. Okay. I, oh, I like this. All right. So this is good. So yeah, my prime director was insane. I flipped up from almost like every conceivable angle of how you can look at portals. So in the end, I took one kind of distinct criteria and that was, I was looking for the portal. I want it to be portals, right? I want these to feel like actual portals on Star Trek, like you would think about, but I want them to be like person size, right? So like not, like a big space portal or uh, you know, something where a, uh, a ship could fly through it in space or something. So from there, I, I tried to make all my five picks feel pretty classic, but I did end up just saying, you know what, I'm going to stay away from all the, all the big ones. So I stayed away from the guardian of forever type portals, which sounds like none of us are going to be picking, which is cool. So yeah, I went deep cut, but they're all still classic portals. So anyway, and I wanted to pick Chrome with B and, uh, and talk about COS and the, those old scientists, but I avoided that too. So it sounds like maybe we're not going to talk about those, which is great because that's just 15 other things we can talk about. And we'll see if there's any duplicates now based on the, those prime directives. Okay, third Demonicon. Let's do this. Let's introduce us to the order of things. I am a Jem'Hadar. He is a Vorta. 
It is the order of things. Thank you, Thermomoticon. As always, everyone will start with their five-word summary and the hashtag to tease their pick. Then we'll each reveal our top five portal portaling choice and the reasons we're highlighting it. And, of course, everyone will pick an episode to associate with that pick. And after getting through five rounds of selections, we'll get through some uh, secondary systems picks from everyone. And if we have any duplicate picks, make sure you listen for the Defiant Torpedoes. Okay, Carlos, I'm going to kick it off with you. What's your number five pick for your top five portals portaling? All right, number five. So my starting off with my five words and a hashtag. So my five words are Project Voyager is just beginning. And my hashtag oh, is nice. so call me baby. Um, and I'm going to go with the Midas Array artificial wormhole. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I was, again, I, I don't think I'm really stretching the definition of a portal here. Uh, again, I went to the, I really wanted to be slightly off the beaten path, but I think that it definitely qualifies. Um, and obviously the, the episode that I'm picking is Voyager season six, episode 10, <laughs> Pathfinder. And really, I just, I was thinking about like kind of moments and especially within Voyager that really kind of means something to me and to the show. And like the scene at the end of Pathfinder when Starfleet headquarters and Barkley make like connects with finally connects with Voyager is like, honestly, like a top 10 Star Trek scene for me, full stop. And so correct. Right. It's wonderful and it's emotional and it's been like six and a half seasons in the making uh, and it's Barkley, so it's a character that you really care about and you have a lot of history with. And just, be, you know, Janeway's reaction and Paris's reaction. And it's just a beautiful, you know, absolutely perfect scene in Star Trek. And again, it's been many, many seasons in the making. And so when I thought of, like, portals, I immediately wanted to kind of, I, I wanted to pick something that was emotional for my for my fifth pick, and so my, the first one I was going to talk about. So this is it. I think it's a, it's a, it's a great little portal that obviously allows that initial spark, that connection between Starfleet and Voyager after so many years to actually happen. Yeah, this is this is a great pick. And when you when you talk about that emotion of that scene, I mean when when Admiral Paris says that you know. Just tell Tom that I'm proud of him. And Janeway says, he heard you, Admiral. Oh, my God. That just crushes me. I want to ball every time. I love this pick. Love Pathfinder, Minus Array, connecting. So that's kind of a unique portal because that's just a communications portal, right? Correct. Correct. Because they're just uh, connecting through the wonders of science. Paul, what's your take on this one? This is great. I can't believe when I was thinking of all of the wormholes that I missed this one. I I think it's just looking back on it. I think of it as just like a communications link rather than a micro wormhole, but I'm kicking myself for not thinking of it, but it is just one of the absolute top moments of Voyager, just every single part of it. The, the whole episode leading up to it with Barclay on the holodeck and, He's about to be arrested, and then they hear Janeway's voice, and suddenly everyone doesn't care about punishing right. Barclay anymore, and all they want to do is make that connection with Voyager and the Delta Quadrant. And just yeah. the emotion on everybody's face, even um, Commander Harkins, who doesn't know any of these people, he's just a Starfleet guy. Even the look on his face when they realize that they've actually made contact is just amazing. We're receiving a transmission. From where? Coordinates 343.6 by 27. The wormhole. Voyager. 
Rich, give me a hand clearing up the signal. Lower the filter band by 0.3 kilohertz. This is Captain Catherine Janeway. Do you read me? I think she's talking to you. Captain, this is Lieutenant Reginald Barclay at Starfleet Command. It's good to hear your voice, Lieutenant. I ruled out all wormholes. And I tried to kind of rule out something that might be akin to like a basically a souped up transporter too, right? Yeah. So there's different ways to look at this, and I'm loving this because it, you know, this is absolutely uh, a portal the way they connect. Brilliant. Okay, Paul, what is your number five pick? My five words are miniature guardian ruins family vacation. Hashtag Molly loves you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And great, this is great five words. Yes. And this is obviously Deep Space Nine season six, episode 24, Times Orphan. And this is the time portal on the planet Galana, which appears to be just a you know lightly inhabited Bajoran colony world in their space. And you know, just a quick recap, there the O'Brien family is on vacation on this planet, and Molly wanders away from her parents and falls into this time portal. They spend a little bit of time trying to figure out how to get her back. And when they figure out how to activate it and beam her back through it, she's 10 years older. Having spent the 10 years basically living feral on this planet with no one in the past. And one of the things I love about this particular portal is the way that it looks. It looks just like a miniature version of the Guardian of Forever. Really, It's the same like stone circle except it's at a different angle it's kind of lying on the ground rather than uh standing up and what i love about it is throughout star trek we have all of these hints of so many like ancient civilizations sprinkled around the galaxy the iconians the the tacon empire whoever it was that built the guardian of forever the the preservers that they mentioned a few times in the original series even the uh I don't forget. I don't even what you want to call them. The progenitors in uh, next generation, the chase. Yep. Yep. That's oh, a good yep, one. Yep. And so just thinking that there are all of these time portals or ancient transporters or other weird technology, just kind of strewn about the galaxy waiting for someone to stumble on it is, you know, one of the best parts about star Trek. And uh, Molly did just that. She stumbled upon one of these, what, what you are apparently calling Carlito. The uh, the little version of the Guardian of Forever, Carl. Uh, Carlos, what is your take on Times Orphan? I'm loving this. This is definitely I, I on mean, my short list. First and foremost, you know, I thought you were talking about what they used to call me when I was a little right, kid. I, I was like, all right. I, was like, I figured okay, that, right. that stunned you to silence, Mike Carlito. I was like, wow, all right, Jim. I, I wasn't like, sure what we were talking about there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny. Like, I, I feel like. I remember um, when I redid a Deep Space Nine rewatch a couple of years ago. I had I read I would read the the entry on the Deep Space Nine companion after each episode. And wasn't this episode as a fun fact? Like, wasn't this originally like an episode like a deep uh, a TNG pitch where they were going to use it to get rid of Alexander? I think there was something like this. I and think so I, I remember think, reading that in I the companion as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like originally this was a TNG pitch in with in a way that they were going to get rid of Alexander. That like he was, it was going to be him and Worf and Alexander falls for the time 
loops the kind portal and comes back as like a very bitter, angry Klingon warrior and is an adult now. And then that's how they were going to write him off the show. I could be totally wrong, but I feel like that it's something, you know, like somebody on Twitter can look it up and be like, yeah, that's right. Or no, completely wrong. But anyway, fun fact. Um, when you say get when you say get rid of Alexander, what do you mean? That was a joke. That was a joke because obviously yeah. everybody wanted. To get you loved Alexander. Let's because be they because they basically fun. just got rid of Alexander. Anyway, keep going. Yes, yeah, so it's a fun fact about the episode, but I think the uh, this is a it's a very good pick. Obviously, as a Deep Space Nine like absolute nut, I, this one came to mind, but I didn't include it in my list because this is like. Let's just call it a rare miss towards the end of what <laughs> yeah. is the what is an absolute perfect, and I think arguably the best single season of Star Trek. I think is Deep Space Nine season six. Well, this is late six, right? This is end yeah. of season six. Yeah, that brings is- up a point that I included in my notes, which is that I really like this episode, and I think if this episode had been in seasons two or three or four, it would be remembered a lot more fondly by a lot of Trekkies. I, like I think it kind of suffered from being stuck at the end of season six, right after profit and lace <laughs> when, you know, yeah, we're in the middle of the dominion war and everyone kind of is expecting most of the episodes to revolve around that. I promise you we'll never do a topic of uh worst two back-to-back episodes ever on Star Trek and they will <laughs> not be profit and lace and times orphan. I like times orphan too. I mean, it's not one of it's I mean, it's, Probably bottom twenty on Trek ranks, but it's there's a lot to like about it. So and great Keiko performances, which we never get enough yep. of. You know what I don't like about Times Warfin is the only time I don't like Keiko is when she says, "Let's get rid of Chester." Oh my God, Keiko! Oh, I know that cat's Wait. the most beautiful cat what? ever. She's like, "Oh, maybe Chester will get lost on the planet when they're gone." <laughs> like, Oh, Keiko, you're breaking my heart. I'm seeing Keiko on this. Like, uh, <laughs> maybe he's a he's a terrible, like, like, like a horrible cat. But you know, anyway, I love no. Keiko. I think mean, Keiko can do no wrong in my book. Well, except for trying to get rid of Chester, the most beautiful cat I've ever seen. Okay, we are way off book. Let's go to my <laughs> round five pick, and I'm going deep cut. So here we go. This 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 will show you how I'm thinking about portals for the majority of my picks. Here we go. Five words and a hashtag. Spatial rift is partial riff. Hashtag connecting the Voyagers. And it is the spatial rift that connects the two Voyagers in Deadlock. Voyager season two, episode 21. And this is truly one of the greatest episodes of Star Trek ever. The first 15 minutes of this episode are just unrelenting, high concept, just heart-pounding science fiction masterpiece from Brandon Bragg. It's so, so good. And that 15 minutes ends with all of everything going on, right? They're heading into Vinian space. They're trying to hide from them. The proton bursts are hitting the ship out of nowhere. Samantha Wildman's giving birth. The death of Harry Kim. Then the death of Samantha's baby. And the ship is completely falling apart. And then Kess disappears into a spatial rift or a portal out of nowhere, and it's the end of Act One. It's just a masterpiece. And so that's my pick, that spatial fissure, they call it, or a spatial rift. And it's the portal between the two Voyagers, and it allows us to have that classic scene with Janeway, the two Janeway squaring off, and that great switcheroo at the end where the, the beat-up Voyager ends up being the one that survives, and the alternate Harry and Harry Kim and baby Naomi joined that ship. So incredible stuff. Deadlock. Uh, Carlos, what's your take? 
Well, you know, it's a, what, what is it? What's the line at the end? It's a, it's a weird pick, but uh, it's, it's weirdest weird part of the job. Right? Part, weirdest part of the job, right? It's good to have you back, Enzo. Thank you, I think. Something wrong? I'm not sure. I mean, this isn't really my ship. And you're not really my captain. And yet you are, and there's no difference. But I know there's a difference. Or is there? It's all a little weird. Mr. Kim, we're Starfleet officers. Weird is part of the job. It's an excellent take, Kim. And honestly, I think that that is 100% correct. I mean, that is Brandon Braga, like, firing on all cylinders. That yeah. is top. It isn't just, it's definitely, to me, top 10 Voyager, like, yeah. full oh, stop. Easily. Easily, right? Top yeah. 10 Voyager. But it's also, you know... If it's not top 10 Star Trek, it's top 20 Star Trek, like a thousand percent. It is a great episode. It just, it's, it's intense and it's, but it's also infinitely rewatchable. Like I think that there are right. episodes of Star Trek that are like super, super intense and they're amazing, but you can't just like put it on, you know? Right. Um, and, and I think some of my favorite episodes of Deep Space Nine are super intense, but you can't just watch like the third episode of like the last 10 episode arc. You got to like commit to doing all 10 episodes. Right. And I think deadlock is so intense and it feels like it, it's like a, it, it's, it's so much, so much more happens in deadlock than some like two parters, three parters. Right. Yeah, and right. It, so a hundred percent, I think this is a great pick. It's a, it's an inspired pick, but it's also like just a pick from an episode that is again, infinitely rewatchable and a top hour of, of Star Trek. Yeah, that's a that's a good summary, Paul. What's your take on the deadlock? Oh, I absolutely agree with everything. Top top ten of Voyager, just one of the top episodes of Star Trek of all time. A fantastic sci fi concept, and just the performances from everyone and throughout the episode are just top notch as far as Voyager goes. Yeah, and the uh, and they use that portal pretty well in this one. I really love it. So, okay, let's go to round four, Carlos. What do you got? All right, round four. My five words are born in the wrong millennium. Uh, hashtag pave the paradise and put up a parking lot. And it is <laughs> the Millennium Gate from Voyager episode uh, 1159. Which, okay. wow. All right. So, obviously, uh, one of the definitions uh, and a synonym for a portal is uh, a gateway. And the moment I heard gateway, literally, <laughs> Oh, All I could yeah. think about was the Millennium Gate. And let me tell you something. I would go to the mattresses for this, like, weird, kind of bad episode all the time. I <laughs> adore this episode. like, But, like, I know what a lot of people think of this episode, and I don't necessarily disagree. It's kind of weird, and it's just basically, like, like, a weird, like, lifetime drama. I love it. Like I will put it on pretty regularly, like in the background. And I just thought that like no one else was going to have this pick. Obviously a portal being a gateway and a gate. And the moment I hear the word gate and I think about Star Trek and definitely Star Trek Voyager in particular, I cannot help but always think of the Millennium Gate and this weird little episode that most people rightly don't think about or don't like, but I have to love. It's like you just said, it's like the Hallmark movie holiday episode genre genre reach for Star Trek Voyager doing basically doing a Hallmark 
episode in the middle of the season. They, they really missed out and not casting Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. <laughs> yeah, that would have fit. Totally. Here's my question for you: what What's it? What's it a gate to? <laughs> the future. The, the future. future. Okay. Exactly. All right. Wow. <laughs> At least Paul's on my side. Like 100%. It's a metaphor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Fantastic. 11.59 showing up in the portals portaling. That That is, uh, I love it. That's why we do track ranks. Paul, what is your number four pick for portals portaling? Number four pick. Five words. Rickety barge, comma half-witted crew, hashtag Susie Q. This is Voyager season three, episode eleven, the Q in the gray. Ooh. And this is the supernova that Voyager uses to enter the Q continuum. Yeah, that's a wow. Good one. Yeah, oh man, it's an interesting portal because the first few times I rewatched this episode, I'm obviously focused on the story itself with this, right. you know. Uh, Q continuum in a civil war and Q trying to meet with Captain Janeway. And it slipped my mind the first few times, but the more I sat and thought about it, like we throughout next generation and Voyager and up until Picard, we just kind of see the Q as essentially magic. They're gods. They can do whatever they want. There's this little hint in death wish where Quinn says to Tuvok, you know, we're not omnipotent. We just seem like that because we're more advanced than you. But it's not really something that's explored, but then we find out here that, you know, the Q continuum isn't a magical place. It's somewhere that we could access that Starfleet could access, assuming, you know, their shields were beefed up enough to survive going through the supernova. It's a physical space, you know, and that kind of hints at the Q being maybe not as immortal and omnipotent as it seems like they are. We obviously learn more about that in years later in Picard, but at this point, you know, it's the first time we see this hint of vulnerability in the queue. You know, uh, the lady queue played by the awesome Susie Plaxon yeah. gets injured and can't get back into the continuum and has to use Voyager to do it. You know, this is great because I was thinking when I think about the queue in the gray and then being there, I think of just Q snapping his fingers and they're there. Right. You kind of if, if you had asked me, I would have said that's what it was. You forget yeah. that they do that supernova traversing through a portal to get to the Q continuum. That's uh, so, so really every one of those little Q flashes when he snaps his fingers could just be a little portal. There you go. I like it. I like it. Carlos, what's your take? This is a great deep cut. First and foremost, Paul, this is a, I agree a hundred percent. This is a really like, this is a deep, deep cut. Now <laughs> it happens to come from an episode that is, you know, like, uh, I don't have the same fondness for this episode that I would, for example, for like 1159. Uh, <laughs> but I will go to bat for this one, just like you will for 1159. This is one of my favorites. Fair enough. Fair enough. And you know what? I respect that a hundred percent. A hundred percent. But it is. And Susie Plaxon is like, it's it's Kalar. Come on. You know what I mean? It's Susie Plaxon. She makes everything better. Yeah. She makes, it's like Jeffrey Combs. They just make everything better. A hundred percent. And when you have Jeffrey Combs and Susie, like, I mean, yeah, the, right. Ceasefire. Yeah, totally. So this is a great deep cut. I would, I could honestly say that even though I wanted to limit myself to Voyager and Deep Space Nine, this didn't even occur to me. So bravo. Okay, so speaking of Voyager, by the way, let's do let's do a mini break for stats. So we've got through five episodes. We have Time's Orphan, 
Eleven fifty nine in the queue in the gray picked in uh, portals portaling. So I'm loving this deep cut episode of Trek Races. Those are not three episodes that uh, are normally uh, chosen. <laughs> oh, I should be. I should be. Uh, actually, hold on. I need to check Ty's Orphan see if it's ever been picked. <laughs> I have confirmed Ty's Orphan. That's the first time it's ever been picked. So we're going to retroactively play our gong. That's our new uh, noise anytime uh, something. A first time episode pick. So Is anyway, it the Lil gong? No, it's the uh it's a Vulcan gong from a muck time. That's good too. Okay. So this has to be the first time ever in Trek Rakes history this has happened because my round four pick is also from Voyager, which means Voyager has been picked five out of six in the first two rounds. That is crazy. It's a portal heavy show. Here we portal go. This is a portal heavy show. They the whole premise was they got Set through a portal to get to the Delta Quadrant. Here we go. Five words and a hashtag. Portaling spirits of good fortune. Hashtag interspatial fissures. Mm. And this is Voyager Season 6, Episode 1, Equinox Part 2. And this is all the interspatial fissures that those cute little nucleogenic life forms look like little bats. They used to communicate first with the with the Ankari, but then they're captured and abused and tortured by the f***ing crew of the goddamn Equinox. I hate them. May they all rot in hell. And anyway, these interspatial fissures, I, I love them. They're, they're kind of terrifying as hell whenever the the sound effect comes in, you know, that kind of actually sounds a little bit like the ships being hit by the, the proton burst in, uh, in Deadlock, but that just that piercing yeah. noise when they know that the fissure is about to open and uh, break through the force fields. And anyway, I love these guys. Carlos, what's your take on Equinox and the cute little nucleogenic life forms who are not so cute when they're pissed off? I was going to say, I think we have a different, uh, like a different definition <laughs> of cute, but again, Come no on. They are, they are, I gotta in say, that first kind of episode, when they're like, there are spirits of good fortune, they're just oh. like, hey, they're just popping out and being like, hi. And then the world's worst Starfleet officers decide to start killing them. Exactly. True. Thank True. you, Paul. But one of the things I do love about this, I mean, great portals, but what I love about this pick is that the moment the portal is appearing, as you rightly said, Jim, there is a sense of like, like right paranoia and like and panic among the crew of like oh my god we're about to be attacked and i think that that like visceral reaction to the portals and 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 the noise is so like atmospheric and adds so much to that episodes and really makes those creatures dangerous right and and it's very rare i feel like that you feel um that those types of aliens are like are are really dangerous in star trek and i just and i you know and we get so many so so few aliens that are not humanoids and i think that like it's a great pick it's totally they're totally portals they're being transported from one you know like like plane to another uh and the paranoia and the the you know like the the freakiness of it all and the and its reaction on both the equinox and voyager cruise is 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 very unique to those episodes love that Paul, how about you? Oh, just excellent. Uh, I mean, another fantastic Voyager episode. I'm completely with Jim on this one. There's absolutely nothing redeemable about any of the Equinox crew. Yep. I am glad that Captain Ransom died. Me too. Shoot him out of the airlock. Exactly. And Janeway was right. Chakotay and Tuvok were wrong. More truth. Yes. Um, but this this is a great pick. I mean, I love these. I love these aliens. I love the the fact that there's a whole 
uh, religious component to these portals yep. where this species basically right. just calls them to fly around and wave at them for a few minutes <laughs> for, you know, apparently no reason other than they believe they bring them good fortune. I and I, I think that's, I think it's just all kind of neat. And again, it's just one of the best episodes of charge star Trek overall. For sure. Another classic. Okay. Let's go to the soup round. Behold the primordial soup. Carlos, what's your number three pick? My number three pick. All right. Uh, five words. What the hell is it? Hashtag take me home country roads. And it is the transwarp apertures from, and I'm going to pick the board transwarp apertures, and I'm going to go with Voyager's Endgame. Yeah, that's a true portal. Yeah, that's a real portal. It's not a metaphor like the Millennium Gates. It is an actual Pathfinder. Sorry, keep going. All right. Uh, well, that's not a metaphor. Come okay, on, not a real right. portal. <laughs> Uh, but this is a real transwarp, you know, massive portal that's used to kind of slingshot massive Borg ships and little Voyager all over the galaxy. And this is when I think of Voyager and when I think of portals, this like just, I knew this had to be on the list. And it, and it's definitely like the most uh, the most orthodox of portals, I think, on my list. Um, and it's just it's just cool. And like Pathfinder, you know, it signals a major milestone in the show, in this case, kind of the ending. And it's because of the Borg transwarp apertures, especially the ones in Endgame that base that, you know, that gets ultimately gets Voyager home. So I figure if I was going to use Voyager as uh, and wanting to stick to Voyager and Deep Space Nine, this one was pretty important. And so it had to be, it had to be on my list. And made even better recently by... Uh, how we see the Borg and Vox and the last generation. Super cool. Love this pick. Paul, what's your take on uh, the transwarp conduits in Endgame? This is this is great. This is on my secondary systems. I mean, it's the basically the the textbook definition of an actual portal with the the mechanisms that surround each of them to stabilize the apertures and it makes it look like a, a fancy highway on ramp or off ramp. Mm-hmm. And the the way that it's like it's tunnel like while they're inside it, like a wormhole. I mean, just everything about it, like the production values on it back in the you know the late nineties, early two thousands, is yeah, fantastic. Really and from a story standpoint, it just lets them do so much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely love it. And, and another Voyager pick. So, Paul, what's your number three pick for uh, Voyager's portaling portals? <laughs> <laughs> How did you know it was going to be Voyager? Oh my God. So my number three pick, uh, five words, showing you what you want. Hashtag, I'm a doctor, not a dragon slayer. And this is Voyager season five, episode 14, Bliss. And this is the fake wormhole that turns out to be an enormous telepathic creature tricking Voyager into flying into its mouth. Wow. I love this as a portal, mainly because... In all of Star Trek, I think this is one of the coolest creature concepts that they've ever come up with. This just creature that's so big, it has its own like weather. There's lightning and space gases swirling around it, and it's got this gigantic maw, and it just, you know, the mouth itself could function as a portal, but in this case, it doesn't even need to because what Voyager sees is the ultimate portal, a wormhole leading all the way back to Earth. And the double portal. Yes. Double portal. 
Exactly. And I love this, I love this creature, the design, the idea of it, the fact that it's been flying around since before humans invented written language, just eating chips. Yeah. I mean, it's great. And then the, the guest star from W. Morgan Shepard, who was always of great yeah. as basically Captain Ahab, you know, yeah. opening and closing the episode, standing on the bridge of his ship, like ready to go back into the maelstrom. I mean, it's just fantastic. Yeah. Morgan Shepard's incredible in this uh, episode is I love how fighting the pitcher plant. Sorry, what yes. were you saying? No, I just I love how he's so dead set on killing it. Yeah, and then he just they keeps su- going. And then they suggest making it throw up instead, and he immediately goes, "Yeah, okay." Like he's not actually really that interested in killing it. I think he just likes fighting it at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, correct. Because it ends with him just going right back in. Carlos, yep. what's your take on Bliss and the pitcher plant? I I agree with everything that's been said. I think it's an awesome concept. Again, just like Deadlock, like super high concept sci-fi. But, you know, grounded in that kind of Moby Dick, Ahab fighting his whale or looking looking and fighting the whale. Um, and also, what a great guest star who has had such, like, you know, he, he was the prison guard at uh, in Jim's and I's favorite Star Trek movie, starting yep. in the 60th of country. <laughs> uh, yep. he, he, and he was the, and I just looked it up because I, I, I knew that he played somebody else. I just looked it up. He was the um, the Vulcan science minister in Star Trek 09. That's like really, really kind of crappy to Spock. And he's just, he's just elevates everything. He's so good. Also Ira Graves. Correct. And the Skyzoid man. In, in this, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And also the father of Mark Shepard. Yes. Wow. Another acting legend. So incredible. Okay. So that is, I'm losing count. That's seven out of eight first picks from Voyager. (laughs) I'm breaking the streak here. I'm breaking the streak. Here we go. This is classic portal pick, which I'm starting to think is not going to be a duplicate. I thought it might be, but now I'm thinking it's going to be safe. Here we go. Five words and a hashtag. The Atavacron is Atavacroning me! Hashtag one-way trip, and it's the Atavacron portal in all our yesterdays from TOS, one of my favorites. This is just an awesome episode to begin with, with mostly the Spock and McCoy stuff when they're stuck in the Ice Age with Zarabeth on this planet in the past of uh, Sarpedian, the uh, planet that's about to blow up because its sun's about to go supernova. You got Mr. Ataz being played by Ian Wolf, a uh, great character actor from the 50s and 60s, who was also in Bread and Circuses. Guy's a legend. And I just love the, the concept of this idea. He's the librarian, and they've set up this whole entire planet to escape from the supernova by using the Atavacron portal to go back in time in the planet's past. But it's a one-way trip because you if if they prep you, you can't go back through the portal. And if you go through without being prepped, you have to get back in a couple hours. Anyway, a fantastic, fantastic episode of Star Trek. The second to last one, I'm pretty sure, right, of uh, of the TOS run. One of my favorites, All Our Yesterdays. Carlos, what's your take on the Atavacron? Wow. I mean, I, I obviously, you know, this is what we were talking about TOS before. That This is one of these episodes that I just, I don't remember the last time. I watched this episode, you know, it's been forever since I've, re- I've revisited a lot of POS. And what you're making me want to do is go back and see this because I got to be honest, Jim, I don't remember this episode at all. <laughs> and that is rare for me to say. Uh, I feel like I have to, I have like 
for once in my life, I am absolutely speechless. I'm like, was this an episode of Star Trek? Did I? Oh my see god! This? You I'm don't sure remember all our yesterdays and the I, portal. You got to go back and find it. I'm gonna have oh. to go back back and see this. This is a fascinating machine. What is it? Ah, this is the Atavacron. Interesting nomenclature. How does it work? May I? Oh no, sir, no. I must ask you not to touch the controlling mechanism. Return and make your selection. When you have chosen, I will prepare you through the Atavacron. Thank you, Mr. Atos. Paul, how about you, man? Oh yeah, this is uh, this is one of my favorite episodes of the original series as well. Spock, Bones, wait! I haven't prepared you. Part of the reason I enjoy it so much is because it links up with uh, there's a couple books that were written later years by uh, one of the better Star Trek authors that kind of link up the events after these books, after this episode. And it just expands it so much for me. But as an episode by itself, it's still fantastic. And just like uh, just like Jim, my favorite part about this is just the interactions between Spock and McCoy throughout the episode. where you know mccoy is like trying to be understanding but you can tell he's kind of amused by the whole thing (laughs) you know at certain points and it's just it is it's a it's a fantastic episode and you know as the second to last episode i think it functions really well as closer to a, a true finale than turnabout intruder does right and uh, Spock de-evolving and getting kind of yes. aggro at McCoy. And there's actually a line in this, which, again, these are some of the things that hits differently now after Strange New Worlds, where Zarabeth, played by Marriott Hartley, says something about, I can tell how alone you've been. And Spock's like, I have been alone. And I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> that hits a lot different after the events of Subspace Rhapsody. Okay. Absolutely. Let's go to round two. Carlos, what do you got? All right. Round two. All right. So my five words are welcome to Deep Space Nine. Hashtag simply the best. And it is the airlocks on Deep Space Nine, particularly in the promenade and also like the ones that connect to all the runabouts and the defiance. (laughs) And it is a true portal in the sense of the word. It's yeah. a grand door. That's good. Um, and why I love them is because they look, nothing else in Star Trek looks like those and moves like those doors. Uh, and obviously it's an airlock and it, they're big and grand and like extremely industrial and mechanical. And one of the things I love most about Deep Space Nine, there's all, that list is very, very long. But one of the things I love most about the design is kind of the design, the Cardassian design of you know of the station itself and how how alien it is and how unstarfleet it is. Um, and the airlocks, ever since I was a little kid, I just always thought that they were amazing. And the way again, and you know, the way they move, it's just it's very, very cool and they look realistic and they look like actually like they could work in space. Um, and so I'm just a big fan of the airlocks on Deep Space Nine. And so I thought, well, uh, in terms of portals, let's let's go with those. And then in terms of an episode, Jim, I'm going with DS9's Emissary and kind of the scene in particular that I rewatched in preparation for this was the scene in Emissary where Cisco and Kira meet. Uh, and we, as the audience, Jackson Bashir for the first time. Yeah, I love this pick because basically you're just picking it because the doors on Deep Space Nine are freaking cool. They Very are. Cool. They look so amazing, and 
that extra level of design and, and production quality to have those in place and using them the all the entire seven year run. They really never changed one thing about them. Absolutely fantastic work by uh, the behind the scenes folks. I love this pick. That's a true portal pick. Uh, Paul, what's your take? Well, Jim, you might as well fire up the Defiant what? Torpedoes. <laughs> Season, uh, my number two pick is uh, Feels Like a Real Station, hashtag Cardassian Monstrosity, and it is also <laughs> the DS9 portals, oh my the God. doors and airlocks <laughs> so on good. Deep Space Nine. Did we just become best friends, Paul? <laughs> yes, I think so. I could. You sh- I wish we were still on video. You should have seen my face when you started describing <laughs> oh, your man. pick. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Um, yes, these are, they're just great. The, the, they look real and solid. The, it's peak Star Trek set design. They look unique. Yeah. They just, it looks like a real space station whenever you see them, you know, the, the design and the execution on it. And it's just, it's one of the best parts about the set of Deep Space Nine is the doors, the way they look, the way they sound, the way they shut, you know, everything about it makes you feel like you're watching people on an actual space station. For sure. Did you pick Emissary 2? I did not. I picked okay. uh, Deep Space Nine Season 2 Episode 4, Invasive Procedures, because Ooh. it has it has two great scenes with those doors. The scene in the beginning when O'Brien and Odo find Quark uh, sitting in the airlock claiming he was just missing his brother right. when he was actually, you know, helping set up the what he thought was a robbery and turned out to be almost a murder. And then the scene at the end with Cisco confronting Varad, where you can actually see three sets of these doors, the one leading into the arrow uh, preloading space before the airlock, and then the door into the airlock, and then the door from the airlock into the ship. And I, when I was thinking of these doors, that was the first episode that popped into my head. Yeah, as soon as you said invasive procedure, I was like, oh, there's like two or three great moments with that. The incredible thing about it is how they designed it and then just stuck with it. And they, I mean, it must have been a bit of a hassle on the set to always have you know, rolling them in and out. But they, they never downgraded from it just for the ease of production or anything. It's really no, cool. and. You know, they're obviously not, you know, solid metal because they would weigh as much as like bank vaults, but they look like it. Yeah, yeah they look for sure. So the, the, I almost picked, just apologize, I almost picked after image because I was also thinking of the scene where Garrick is like pounding on them and the camera is like in like in space looking into. And, and I right. just, I, yeah. I love that image of Garrick like screaming, let me out, let me out when he's having one of his like, you know, claustrophobic attacks. That but, is a uh, really, really good one as well. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep going. My round two pick. We are going to break into a new series. This is good. It's not TOS, Deep Space Nine, or Voyager. Number two. It's crazy. I've never picked this episode before. Five words and a hashtag. Copper strips and Daniel's tech hashtag equals ugly bastard kick. And it is Shockwave Part 2, the uh, season premiere of Season 2 of uh, Star Trek Enterprise. And this is the very clever use of some of Daniel's 29th century tech to get Archer back from the 31st century into the 22nd century via a time portal that they trick Silic into helping them activate remotely from 
the 31st century. Did you follow all that? It was the 29th century tech, 31st century, back to the 22nd century, full and silic. And I, I love that this all comes from a copper, the copper strips from a copper spoon that uh, Archer finds in the 31st century rubble and uh, a few calculations in the dust from uh, from Daniels. And he reconfigures the tricorder and communicator and voila, he's got, uh, he's jump kicking through this thing and calling Silicon ugly bastard. So this is uh, a cool portal moment for Archer to get back into the 21st, uh, 22nd century. Carlos, what's your take on this one? Uh, I was this is uh, made my secondary systems 100% in large part oh, is cool. that I've just started a enterprise rewatch, which I am just that show just it's like it's like wine, it gets better with age, man. Yeah. And I uh, immediately thought of this one because of everything that you've just said. It's a it's a it's definitely a portal. It's a clever portal. You know, I am a fan of the uh of the temporal cold war. So of course I was going to think of it. And it's, it's, you're, you're right to pick it as, as, as your pick. Jim. Love, uh, love the temporal cold wars. Paul, how about you on shockwave part two? Yeah, this is a great one. And another one that I didn't even consider as a portal, but it's just, it is like the perfect uh, definition of portal, especially by your prime directive with just enough room for one person to travel right. from yeah. one spot to another. And, I'd forgotten about uh, the ugly bastard part, which is really funny. I said you're an ugly bastard. Yeah, and I'm going to have to go and rewatch the the whole two-parter when we're done with this. Absolutely. But yes, this is... Imminently rewatched. I love love this pick. This is great. Okay, let's do it. Round one. Begin round one. Carlos, what's your number one pick for portals portaling in Star Trek? My number one pick for portals portaling in Star Trek. My five words are discovered the first stable wormhole. Hashtag better than all the rest. And it is the Bajoran wormhole. Of course. The assigns episode. Emiss- I'm going to go with emissary as well. <laughs> the, double, the double emissary. The double emissary. And yes, and it's the wormhole. Because obviously, when you think of portals, if you're not thinking guardian, uh uh, and the you know the Guardian of Forever. I always think of the Bajoran wormhole, and it is my favorite show. It's still the effect, one of the greatest effects in Star Trek. I remember vividly being eleven when this watch and watching Emissary live when in January of like nineteen ninety three. Um, actually, I was 10 and uh, watching it. And just when the wormhole opened up, like I'm still in all 30 years later, and it's just a wonderful effect. It is, you know, an amazing plot device. It did it did so much to kind of deepen the, the, the Star Trek universe in terms of not just with Deep Space Nine, but everything that came after. And so, you know, it's it's to me, it's the gotta be the number in, in terms of how I like in terms of my Star Trek and how I do Star Trek, it's gotta be the number one portal. I love it. So I just like saying Denorius Belt, and this gives me an yeah, to say to say Denorius Belt. So Denorius I'm just belt. gonna say Denorius Belt. <laughs> so Paul, what's your take on the wormhole? Oh uh, yes, no, this is you know, this is a fantastic pick. It's on my secondary systems as well. Uh it's the ultimate portal in all of Star Trek, other than maybe uh like Carlos mentioned, the Guardian of Forever. They're the two, you know, defining portals of Star Trek. And it is a fantastic effect that you look back on now in 2023 is still a fantastic effect. 
Mm-hmm. It's, you know, uh, the stories that it made possible. I mean, some of the best episodes of Deep Space Nine revolve around the Bajoran wormhole. I mean, the whole episode, The Visitor, wouldn't have happened without it. Mm-hmm. It's it's just, it is a, a fantastic part of Trek history. I love it. Me too. Fantastic. Okay, Paul, what is your round one pick? All right, my round one pick. Uh, you're going to have to bust out the torpedoes again. Oh. My five words are badass Harry Kim saves the day or oh, saves day. Yeah. <laughs> badass Harry Kim saves day. Hashtag proton bursts, and it yes. is Voyager season two, episode twenty-one, deadlock. Oh man, that's uh, so the good. spatial rift between the two Voyagers on deck fifteen. These proton bursts are going to cause a lot of stress on the hull. Reinforce structural integrity too. Now what? What was that? It appeared to be a proton burst. Already. This is top five episode of Voyager. It is a fantastic sci-fi concept that they executed perfectly. The performances of everyone in this episode were great. We get Janeway arguing with herself and threatening to have herself thrown off of the ship. Uh, We get Harry getting to die, come back from the dead, and be a badass action hero. He's running around with a phaser and doing, like, tuck and rolls and shooting people (laughs) from behind over consoles i mean he was like straight up james bond in this episode it was fantastic and you know he didn't get enough of that so that's uh, one of the things i love about this episode because i'm a i'm a big harry kim fan and uh the this you know from an in-universe perspective the science of this portal that was just tenuously connecting the two voyagers was great i love that you know they used it to just kind of go back and forth but it couldn't be too many of them which took away you know or not took away, but gave them more of an incentive to have to figure something else out about how to either split them or end up having one of them destroyed because they couldn't just keep going back and forth between the two ships with more than a few people without it, you know, blowing up or whatever it was. It's a great sci-fi concept. Everything about it. Everything about this episode is fantastic. Yeah, there's really, there's no way to kind of punch holes in this episode. It's perfection. And I'm glad we get to talk about it a little bit more because I kind of half mentioned it when I was talking about the Equinox, but I forgot to kind of highlight the sound editing on the Proton Burst is incredible. I oh mean, yeah, you, you feel it when you're watching. Uh-huh. Like you just you're like, tensing you, up while it's you building do. up. You, you are literally tensing up when you kind of hear that it's coming, and then bam, and the ship's right. You feel it that intensity, and then just to circle again the the writing and the performance for the double Janeways is so good. The way the first Janeway is like, yeah, why don't you take off and we'll be good. And she's like, you're going to blow up you're your gonna own ship. Say, yep, yep. And then, then, then she flips it, you know, five, 10 minutes later, she's like, okay, you're going to blow up your own ship. Got it. Let's go. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It, it's, it's, it's the best. And can also, can I just point out that on no universe would I have ever thought that the two uh, duplicate so far was going on the portals portaling episode of Trek ranks was going to be deadlock, deadlock and, and airlock space nine <laughs> airlock so, yeah, that's so, so good kudos to us that's yeah, absolutely well done incredible incredible stuff okay let's go to my round one pick to close us out five words and a hashtag portals of air and darkness hashtag not i think today commander and it is tng season two episode 11 one of my all-time favorite episodes of tng contagion 
And of course, it's. I think it came up at least once so far. And uh, I think Paul might have mentioned them. Yes, the Iconian Gateway at the end of Contagion. I love this. I think this is one of Trek's most underrated episodes. Uh, you know, it opens. It was in my cold opens picks because I think I think it was my number one cold open because when the Yamato explodes, it just blows me away. And it all just hinges on this very cool Iconian Gateway. And uh, which we see again in, in To the Death in Deep Space Nine. And I just, I love all these moments. That, oh, yeah, I did my countdowns too, my top five buzzer beaters, because you have the countdown with Picard. And at first, you get uh, Data and Worf stepping through the gateway to get on the bridge of the Enterprise. And then Picard blows up the place and steps through onto the, onto the Romulan Bridge. I love it. One of my favorites, Contagion, TNG. Carlos, what's your take on the Iconian Gateway? That's a portal. This was also going to be in my in my um, secondary systems because of of the fact that they also appear in Deep Space Nine's uh, "To the Death," which is one of my favorite episodes of season four. Yes. So yeah, this is a yes. great. This is a great. I mean, and the episode that introduces Wayun, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and also yep. and it all, and called opening and kills him <laughs> and, and kills him, of course, and 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 it has one of Deep Space Nine's like you know visually most memorable cold opens, right? With like oh, the with the upper pylon the broken off, right? Correct, yeah. correct, correct. So like, um, no, the Akinian Gateway is an an, an iconic. Portal, Star Trek portal. Yeah, no Back doubt. for puns, Paul. No, <laughs> Paul. What's your take on Contagion? Yes, this was a this was a tough cut for me on my secondary systems. I love, uh, like you said, I mentioned the Iconians up in the uh, in my number five pick as just one of those ancient civilizations we right. hear a little bit about, like that were long around long before the Federation or Starfleet. And it's just every once in a while, they're stumbling over these artifacts and they're just, you know, it's crazy to think like, how did this civilization that could build these gateways go extinct? You know, when they like, are they still out there somewhere? And it's just, you know, visually it's awesome. I love that little whooshing sound it makes when it switches between locations that like, yeah, it is, uh, Great, great pick. It's funny you say that because the 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 Sarpedians in the Tavacron they go extinct too, and they're using that portal technology to save themselves to go back in time. Anyway, this is cool. That's a great uh, little connection between us two. Okay, let's get into our secondary systems picks. Carlos, what do you got? Um, well, like I said, I was going to do Shockwave as well. But then I limited myself. But the other one that really did make my list, and it was until the very, very, about half an hour before the episode that I switched it to the Pathfinder, um, was going to be the Picard Portal Weapons. And I even had a backwards and a hashtag already for, I I was going to pick 17 seconds as the Portal Weapon. That that was kind of like my, that one and Shockwave were my two big secondary systems. I love it. So my special shout out, since no one picked it, was going to be 17 seconds. The Portal Weapon. At yep. the end, you know, it's cool in uh, the next generation when they show it blowing up the red lady. But in 17 seconds, when they're yes. just playing the cat and mouse and Vatic's moving them around. Oh, my God. Absolutely superb portal portaling. Um, Paul, how about you? What else, what's on your list? All right. So like Carlos, I also had uh, an episode that was cut at the last minute from my list. So I have uh, five words on a hashtag finest of Voyager season one hashtag quadruple gut punch. And that is the uh, the Harry Kim wormhole from Eye of the Needle. 
Yeah. Uh, I had the Iconian Gateway, the Bajoran Wormhole, and the Guardian of Forever. Yeah. Um, I also had the uh, the interface phenomenon with the original USS Defiant in going oh. in space. Oh, oh yeah. That's great. Between... The sequel, prequel, Tholian yes. Web, Intermere, Intermere Darkly. Darkly. Yep. I love all that. Yeah, that yeah. was a tough cut as well. And then I also, from Enterprise, had the uh, the Zindi subspace, subspace Vortex propulsion system. The way oh, that God, they yeah. kind of portal from one place to another. Yeah, that's good. It was, was a fun one as well. Amazing. So I mentioned 17 seconds was going to be my special shout out. So I'll go through a few. I had Times Orphan. So two others. One was Sacred Ground, which was mentioned last week in the episode. Uh, I think uh, I can't remember who picked it, but um, that's kind of a cool portal. The one that uh, zaps Kess. We haven't mentioned Remember Me, which is one of the portals portaling, especially with uh, being christened by Boimler with Remember Me. Oh, God, yes. And, of course, uh, yesterday's Enterprise was on my list, but I didn't want to do any ships. And I'm just going to give it – I'll give my shout-out here. Let's just – we're going to talk about it. The, the three major portal episodes in Star Trek history are truly now City on the Edge of Forever, of course – Terra Firma from Discovery, of course, and those old scientists from Strange Worlds. Those are those are as portal as portals can get, and the really the just for the number of times they say portal in yeah those right right which I did I did make that part of my I kind of looked at how often people were saying portal in episodes, but those three are kind of the the linchpin of why we're even doing this topic. So love it. Okay. Incredible, super deep cuts uh, topic for this uh, for this show. But let's get into our regeneration cycle now. We'll recap and go through some cool stats that I've compiled of our picks. Computer, activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma. Okay, Carlos, recap your Voyager DS9 list. For my number five pick, I picked uh, the Midas Ray artificial wormhole from Voyager's Pathfinder. My number four pick was uh, the Millennium Gate from Voyager's 1159. It's a metaphor. Um, <laughs> my number three pick, it's the Transwarp Apertures from Voyager's Endgame. Number two, DS9's Airlocks, which are just the most badass uh, doors in all of Star Trek from DS9's Emissary. And my number one pick for Portals Portaling is the Bajoran Wormhole, also from DS9's Emissary incredible i don't think anyone's ever done the same episode picks one and two before so carlos breaking new ground there always okay paul break down your five all right my number five pick was uh the time portal on galana from time deep space nine times orphan number four was the supernova portal into the q continuum from voyager the q in the gray uh, number three was the telepathic pitcher plant from Voyager uh, season five bliss. Number two were the deep space nine airlock doors from deep space nine season two invasive procedures, the best doors in the history of sci-fi. <laughs> and uh, my number one pick was the spatial rift on deck 15, connecting the two Voyagers and Voyager season two deadlock. Brilliant pick. So wait, you guys really are best friends because Carlos announced he was doing just Voyager and deep space nine, three Voyagers, two deep space nines. 
You did not announce it, but you had three Voyager and two D Space Nine as well. I didn't want to give it away when you said that, but that's what I was thinking. I mean, listen, Paul, we 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 were best friends for a very short amount of time, but then you said you loved Harry Kim, and then I was like, Uh, no, (laughs) we're deleting that. We're cutting that out. Why are you such a jerk? Okay, here we go. My recap is round five. Uh, from Voyager, Deadlock, those spatial rifts. Number four, from Equinox, the interspatial fissures uh, for our nucleogenic friends. Number three, from TOS, all our yesterdays, the Atavacron. Number round two was Shockwave Part Two and Archer's clever uh, temporal portal jump. And number one, TNG, Contagion, and the Iconian Gateway Portals. So I had two from Voyager and then one each from TOS, TNG, and Enterprise. And to break down our stats, okay, a couple of good numbers here. So we had two duplicate picks, Deadlock and Airlocks, which is cool. And then I I tried to break it down here. I, I got all 15. So we had... One metaphorical pick, (laughs) one micro pick, I'm calling that one the Pathfinder, one organic pick, that's the pitcher plant, and then three portals that were ship size, and nine portals that were like smaller, like more like uh, human size. So that's our statistical breakdown. And then for the series breakdown, incredible. This is like a 2017 episode of Trek Ranks because it's only... TOS, TNG, D Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise were picked tonight. Nothing from the new tracks or movies or anything. So we had one each from TOS, TNG, and Enterprise, which I guess were all my picks. And then <laughs> we had four from D Space Nine and eight portal picks from Voyager. So more than half the picks for portals was from Voyager. I love it. That's why I keep the stats. That is cool to me. Okay, let's initiate a temporal inversion, not a portal, and it's time to hear. Initiate temporal inversion. Initiating. And for this week's temporal inversion, we are going back to episode 161 and our very fun abstract tea topic. And we got a great voicemail in from the forever thoughtful Michael Bentley, who is at Michael Angie on Twitter. He's been on the show a couple of times. I love this list. So take a listen. Hi, Jim at Trek Ranks. This is Michael at Michael Angie on Twitter and Blue Sky with my picks for the episode Abstract Tea. My number five pick is Five Words, a great Beverly Crusher episode, hashtag I'm fine. This is the Typhon Expanse in cause and effect, and I just think it's one of those great Star Trek names, so evocative. At first I thought of Tycon's Rift, which has a similar ring to it, but the Typhon Expanse sticks in my mind so much more because, like so many other things in the episode, it gets repeated more than once. At number four, five words, the Mr. Om of DS9, hashtag long-suffering. This is the actor Tiny Ron, the actor who played Mayardu, aide to the Grand Nagus. When I looked on Memory Alpha, I wasn't surprised to find it was a stage name, finding it hard to believe that so tall a man could just happen to be named Tiny Ron. Number three, five words, grief, science, understanding, regret, connection. Hashtag Star Trek's arrival. It is, of course, 10C, 
the always inspiringly alien species whose encounter with Discovery forms the climax of my favourite season of the show. The influence of Arrival thrilled me, as that is probably my most beloved film of the past 20 years. And number two, five words. Orange tabbycation goes grumpily. Hashtag beep. I mean, of course, Tahana. How could I not pick the Suitas' potty-mouthed feline doctor in tribute to my own orange tabby, Ezri? And my number one pick, five words, being seen in Discovery's future, hashtag, first trans character and actor in Trek. This is, of course, Grey, played so beautifully by Ian Alexander. I chose the words Discovery's future rather than Star Trek's, in part because Discovery has increasingly taken inclusivity further than any other Trek series, and also because Grey lives specifically in Discovery's future, the 32nd century not so far having been seen elsewhere in Star Trek. Hopefully that will change soon. Anyway, thank you so much for so many great episodes of Trek Quags, Jim. LLAP, peace and long life, etc. Michael, out. All right, fantastic thoughtfulness from Michael. He, he, I, my favorite pick there was he picked Tiny Ron uh, Mayhardu on his abstract tease, which is uh, such a great shout out for that uh, actor who passed, I think, recently, and the great Mayhardu character. All right, so once again, those picks, more than enough to clear ourselves from this week's temporal inversion. So as always, I want to thank everyone for all your great responses to the Trek Ranks podcast. Please keep your list coming to me at Trek Ranks on Twitter so we can retweet them, but we also want to hear from you. So put together your own list of top five portals, portaling, or a list from any of our past shows. Give us a call at the Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527 or just record it yourself on your computer and send me a DM. We can link up that way. So hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks. And on the next episode of Trek Ranks, it's another fun one. It's our previously recorded live show from Las Vegas. And it is the biggest episode we've ever done in terms of the amount of people we have on this show. It's a little crazy. We'll see how it turns out. But you're going to love it. We had nine people giving picks on our live show. So it was basically just a souped up speed round. We covered a lot of territory. And the topic was fantastic. The topic is simply the best deaths. It's not the top five deaths on Star Trek. No, the topic is the best deaths. So the idea is to kind of go a little further than, you know, Spock and the Wrath of Khan, which is obviously a top five death. It's the best deaths, Carlos. What do you got? What's jumping in your head? Oh my god! You know what death I love is that like random ensign in in Nemesis when the scimitar blows up the bridge of like the the view screen, yep. and that guy gets sucked out sucked in space. Yep. That is just it's just a great effect. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the best deaths. Paul, what do you got? Michael Jonas. Oh yeah, Neelix. Neelix Imagine getting Michael killed Jonas. by Neelix. <laughs> Oh my god, that's just so <laughs> embarrassing. Well, I wish you guys had been on the show. That's the kind of stuff we're looking for. And our, our of course, our other guests are all great. So those of you listening, uh, it's that's a wild one. It's a wild one. All right, that's going to be great. Coming out in two weeks. Channel closed. Reset. Subspace communications. Scrambler code Riker one. Scrambler code Riker one acknowledged. Okay, let's close this episode out with a huge thanks to Carlos Miranda and Paul Edinger. 
awesome having you guys on. This was a super fun topic. Any final Trek Scrambler codes you guys want to relay before we depart? Carlos. Yeah, no, I look forward to hearing everyone's picks as always and like connecting with uh, with everybody on the Twitters and uh, arguing about portals portaling and um, whether or not the Millennium Gateway really is a portal. It's uh, hey, it's it's a metaphor. And Paul, thanks for coming back, man. The second go around. No, no problem. Glad to hear it. And just like uh, like he said, I can't wait to see everyone's uh, picks for this and their opinions on our picks. Yes, we will be. We'll be getting all of those. All right. Thanks, everyone, for engaging with us again here on episode 165 of the Trek Ranks podcast. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong. Ah! Ah! The portal's trying to portal me. Stop lurching towards it. Ah! Ah! Remember me. Boimler? Just want to remind everyone again that the entire Trek Ranks catalog is available for you to download and listen to at trekranks.com and on your podcast player of choice. Our episodes never get carbon data, so check out the topics you've missed and maybe just want to listen to again over at trekranks.com. And a reminder to check out our friends Five Year Mission at fiveyearmission.net. They're writing a song for every episode of Star Trek, and you won't believe how great their music is. They also have a podcast at the Trek Geeks Network, so seek them out. You won't regret it. I hear you, but I don't understand. Repeat what you said, please. Repeat what you said. I said you're an ugly bastard.